Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Starting 502 podcast, we're back again. Presley Meyer, Jake Hook on the other end. Presented to you by Mr. and Mrs. Bourbon. Uh, if you are not sipping on some Mr. and Mrs. Bourbon right now, what are you doing? You're behind the times. Jake, Jake Hook, how are you, sir? What's the best thing that's happened to you in the last week? I don't think, did I, I got a house. Did I say that? You got a house? Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I'm under contract for a house. There you uh, go. It is so expensive to be a homeowner. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah. They don't give those just anybody. They they don't. Uh, I'm going through that the process right now, in the process of building the new, uh, starting 502 studio, uh, if, if 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 you will, and uh, what that involved involves is basically just signing my life away financially. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. So yeah. It's fun times, but Jake Hook, congratulations. Cheers, of Mr. and Mrs. to you. I currently don't have Mr. and Mrs. because if you're watching this video, you can see that I am currently in a hotel room. But nonetheless, we are making this happen. So the best thing that happened to you, that, I mean, that's by far the best thing that's happened to you this week. You also went yeah, to, sorry. what concert did you go to in the Um Center? Oh, um, who was it? There was uh, Brett Young, some girl I didn't know, and then... I can't think of what his name is right now. I wasn't, I mean, he wasn't bad at all. I, I don't dislike him by any means, but it definitely wasn't. I wouldn't have gone to the concert, but I mean, I had a great time. I can't think of what his name is. I'll get back to you on that. You were going, you went for Brett Young though, I'm assuming. I like Brett Young. Yeah. I will say kind of learned he's not the best concert performer. Great voice, but just like really sad, slow songs that don't <laughs> like really get you super excited live. Well, aren't his like more popular songs? uh more like upbeat am i wrong about that like no, he's got yeah, like most, he's got like mercy it's very yeah. sad about like a girl breaking up with him and he yeah. just wants her to be nice to him when she breaks up with him basically so yeah he's pretty sad huh yes i mean brett young i, I feel like he is more of a stadium anthem kind of guy so it's kind of surprising there's a lot of country acts to go through the yum center it feels like that's kind of their bread and butter that was um, the third time they had been at the yum center i think in the last year they said it at the concert that was the third time that Brett Young had been in, in the uh, that whole entire trio of of country performers that had gone. I think I believe they said that's the third time they'd been there. Maybe in the last year or two, I guess, since they've been doing this concert series. That is wild. Uh, mm -hmm. But it does. It feels like like was it what was the crowd like there? Like they had the whole did they have the, the second floor, the entire second floor open? Yeah. First and second open. Third completely closed down. It was it was pretty uh, it was pretty full. I'd say like 90 percent full. Sam Hunt, it's, that's who it is. Sam Hunt. Sam there Hunt. Oh yeah, is Sam Hunt not like he's? Yeah, he's definitely a stadium anthem kind of. Oh guy. yeah, yeah. Sam Hunt is for sure. It's just Brett Young is not so much. No, no. Okay, so Sam Hunt is like he's like the epitome, epitome of like modern, uh, yeah, uh, uh, 
what what am I trying to get to? Like modern, modern stadium anthem. Okay. Yeah, like Florida Georgia line, Luke Bryant. Like yeah. he's just he's like if all those guys just had a baby, uh, is is what I perceive Sam Hunt is. And he does that like country rap thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit. He does like he puts like 808s on his songs, things like that. So it makes it sound mm-hmm. like a mixture of like hip hop and uh and country. Not bad, well, not bad at all. I'd go see Sam Hunt. I would throw on a uh you know, whatever the you know, country looking outfit. Uh, you know, <laughs> I didn't have my cowboy like, hat or my boots on. Yeah, but Sam Hunt's more like a tethered baseball cap kind of guy. Yeah, he I is a former baseball player, so That'd be a great trivia question. Where did Sam Hunt play baseball in college? Oh God, I have no idea. It feels he feels like an Arkansas guy. I don't know. I'm just getting Arkansas vibes from him. Let's yeah. see. If, I'm sure there's somebody out there like, oh, Sam Hunt played for Coastal Carolina. Like, come on, y'all. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I typed in Sam. There are a lot of Sam Hunts that have played baseball, but I think it's just a really popular That's, name. That is a huge – I'm in Texas right now. Well, I'm in Texas pretty much every time you talk to me, Jake. Uh, and um, it is there, – there are a lot of just like very Texas names, like Brody and Cameron. Like I feel like everybody would name their baby Cameron or like Haystack, you know, something, something, something like that. You know, there's some very, very uh, prototypical – uh, country names out there but yeah I, i've i've thought um of the um center i've been really disappointed at, at the acts that they get to go through like it seems like it's like that like you get a you get a sam hunt like you said that comes through like every eight months uh you get like I, I, i'm trying to think i know casey musgraves is coming through there but yeah it seems like they hit the same type of stuff nickelback um hey, i'd uh, love to go see nickelback I, I actually, so I was married at one point in time, and as a joke, um, when I asked my former wife to uh, to date me, um, I had there was this like back and forth about Nickelback, and for like whatever reason, we went back and forth about uh, you know making fun of Nickelback essentially. Uh, and I sarcastically would say that I like Nickelback. And let's be honest, like Nickelback's like Creed. Like they just have like a few bangers that are out there that everybody knows. Uh, but nobody wants to admit that they like Nickelback or Creed or or one of these because uh, they, they just have this stereotype. Like a Nicolas Cage, like the Nicolas Cage of 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 country me- or whatever, bro rock music, right? Like I, a, will prou- like, I will proudly say that I'm a Nickelback fan. How You Remind Me, Burns the Ground. Uh, this is so- how you remind me. Hey, if this yeah. whole podcast career doesn't work out, I think you got it as a backup vocalist for Nickelback. Dude, yeah. I've been on this, like, I've been driving through the state of Texas this week. And I'm just <laughs> on this, state. like, it's it's a long state, man. You spent a lot of time here. You know, You know about it. I'm in Weatherford right now just outside of, of the great area of Fort Worth, Texas, that you're very familiar with. Um, yeah, and I've just been on this impression kick lately. Like, I just want to be Donald Trump all the time. I don't know what it is. Um, but anyways. Uh, oh, hold on. Clean up before we get started. Uh, yeah. I was completely wrong. Sam Hunt played football at UAB mm. as a UAB. quarterback. There you go. That's what it is. And Sorry, what is so that's it what about? It was not college baseball. There's definitely this like college athlete 
um, fraternity of, of guys that um, if, if their college career doesn't work out, they end up end up being a country music singer. They end up on The Bachelor. Um, like there, there's a very like tight window of like they 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 utilize their like B or C list celebrity status to end up becoming a, a higher level celebrity in like music or entertainment uh, of some sort. And this is why I've been on this kick about I think Sam Hartman's going to be the Bachelor at some point. Uh, oh, 100%. I know. Like. he's going to be on something like he's just got that look. And there's been two guys that were former Wake Forest players that went on to become the bachelor. Uh, So interesting tidbit. So I I don't have any Heisman winners, but man, do they have bachelor contestants? They have lots of guys dating pretty women is is (laughs) what it is basically Um, enough about pop culture though. Louisville played some basketball and we need to talk about it. 84 59 loss at Duke. On Wednesday night. And let me tell you, Jake, in, in my opinion, like I really sat here, like I, I'm to the point now where I'm not watch, I'm, I'm not watching to see if Louisville wins. I'm watching to see what kind of effort they give, what kind of noticeable differences that we can find um, with, within this team, uh, what kind of camaraderie there is on this team. And I, he- I heard this quote uh, recently, and I want to share it with you. The easiest way to connect with people is by putting others down. That was that was the quote that I heard, and it resonated with me. It's true. Okay, so like if me and you see each other in public, I'm gonna be like, "What's up, douchebag?" Like that's just that's how people talk to each other, right? Like, be like, "What's up, turd liquor?" Like, it's the same way with like gossip. Like, it's so easy to be like, like uh, you know, somebody walks past you, I'm like, "Look at that fatty." Like, it's it's a way to connect without necessarily, you know, without it's an easy way to to get to the core to get to the heart of, of someone else's sense of humor or uh, their agreeableness it's what we do as humans to to make fun of to put others down is human and it's the easiest most like low level low tier way of, of connecting with someone and that's how i kind of feel like in the social media age and in the way that we've been just constantly uh, assessing the kenny payne era is we it's just it's it's constantly putting it down and it's so easy to to roll into this um constant uh negativity right like it's so easy to just get going downhill and the negativity just grows louder and louder and louder every single day and i I do get what people are saying like you know i try to keep it lighthearted on social i try to you know post funny memes just relatable content and it really is just the easy way to just cherry pick things. Like it's difficult to to be out there being a Rick Bozick. It's it's difficult being an, an Eric Crawford or or one of these guys who has to sit here and write about these games after every single loss. And um, it, it, it's kind of brought to my attention. There's this segment of the fan base that they're kind of tired of like the shitting on the on the coaches, the players, the program as a whole. They're tired of you know. From the outside, we're already a laughing stock, right? Like it's it's so easy for others to come in and stomp on us. Why why are we uh, in in a per, you know at least perceived way, you know, you know, stomping on Kenny Payne or or making fun of the players or you know I, I you know I am constantly posting about Danilo Jovanovic who played zero minutes against Duke last night. And why is this important, right? Why 
Why is it important to keep assessing this? And I, I think there's two reasons for this. Number one, it's putting into perspective what the Kenny Payne era has become and what Louisville basketball has become as a whole. And number two, it's important to see what players are worth keeping around. Ultimately, you know, it, this season is completely different than 2019, 2021. Like the, the landscape of college sports has changed so much, so drastically that you almost in a sense have to view these players as um, not disposable commodities, but as, you know, uh, ever-changing uh, commodities and, and pieces on this team, more like you would assess a, a pro team, right? Like if you're a Cleveland Cavaliers podcast, or if you're a Dallas Cowboys podcast, if you're a, a Tampa Bay Devil Rays uh, beat rider, whatever it is, you're having to assess uh, the, the viableness of each player, how they fit on the team, and how you can structure that roster going forward. And so that's how we have to kind of assess this now, right? Like, even though the games ultimately don't matter, like the writing is on the wall, Kenny Payne's going to be gone at the end of the season, right? But I think that there is an assessment of these players that's happening right now. And there's tape being put out there, and especially in this Duke game, that is going to be so damning. Whether it's, say, let's, let's just, just pick out a player's name, and, and this is not even to uh, put, put the onus on, on one player over another, but just say it's Trey White, right? Trey White played one season at USC. He's now coming to Louisville. He was expected to be like a top three scorer a stat stuffer, that type of guy. And he was expected to be a commodity on this team for Louisville. But if you look at a Trey White, you know, you're looking at what is he ultimately providing for this team. And when you're looking at the construct of next year's roster, what does he bring to the table? And it's that way for everybody. It's that way for Caleb Glenn. It's that way for Mike James. Hell, it's that way for Curtis Williams, Aiden McCool, uh, Emmanuel Okorafor. Every single player, every single possession up and down the court, they're going to be evaluated, whether it's by a coach at South Carolina State or whether it's by the next global coaching staff. And so it's important in that aspect to put this in the perspective. And it's not anything about dogging on Sky Clark for the way that he played one defensive possession. It's not anything about putting down Brandon Huntley Hatfield for not grabbing a rebound, right? It's the totality of the effort that they put forth and the skill set that they can bring to this team. And so I did want to make that clarification that, you know, it, it feels like it's constant negativity, but the reality is, you know, we can make all the memes and, and the jokes and, and talk about, you know, how trash a certain situation is. And trust me, it, it, it all is. But ultimately, we're making assessments of these players. Um, so, so going back to the first statement, putting things in a perspective, right? And I posted this last night, and it, it stands out a lot to me, the difference between when Louisville traveled to play at Duke in January of 2020 versus when Louisville traveled to play at Duke in February of 2024. Sorry. Um, it's been four years since then. And if you remember in January of 2020, that, that Duke game was the height of the Chris Mack era. At that point, that is when Louisville had not Louisville had not looked any better than that. They have not looked any better than that since, say, 2016, right? But it is so damning, the difference between that squad going in and destroying a top 
three Duke team versus this Louisville team just getting absolutely, as Jay Cook would put it, shit pumped by number 10 Duke at Duke. And I wanted to get your perspective on this, Jake. You know, what, like what what leads to this? What leads to a team going from being that high level of a team, probably a top two or three seed in that year's NCAA tournament to where we are now, where Duke could have named their score last night, right? They It got to a point where, you know, it was clear Duke was not giving 100% effort. They did not play their best game. They were without their point guard last night. They were with, you know, Bubble Boy. Um, um, what, what, what is this gentleman's name that that was in the center of the, the court storming debacle? Kyle Filipowski. Oh, Philipas- yeah. So they had a, a an injured flip. They had no point guard. Well, they had a point guard, but they didn't have their starting point guard. They weren't at, at full capacity, and they just destroyed Louisville. They did whatever they wanted. And it was too. It was so damning. Looking back at just four years ago, Jake, I know you know people have made this point. It's none of the same players. I get that, but the foundation at Louisville now is stronger than it was four years ago. Years ago, and yet the culture of the program has never been lowered. Never. This is the first time in 110 years, Jake, that they have lost two games consecutively by more than 20 points think about that and it's just become commonplace for them to lose games like this if you look at the end of that game guys are just driving right by players you know some of Louisville's better players are over pursuing on a on a simple pump fake and then just not even trying to to come back and defend it it, it is just like you you can sit here and, and nitpick all day long at every little thing that they did wrong. But, I mean, to you, you know, what stands out? What's the substantial difference between 2024 and 2020? I mean, I, I think it's pretty obvious. It's head coaching. We, we've got a group of guys that I think are talented enough to be a tournament team but have no direction, no discipline, and truly looks like they have no idea what's going on at times. Like, I've, I've seen JV teams run a better 1-3-1 than what we attempted to do randomly to try and trick Duke and play his own for a little bit. It's just frustrating. I mean, like just don't really have an idea of like concepts, whether it's man to man, whether it's like how we should run this offensive set, like, Oh, Duke adjusts to this. And we just like stand still and like have no idea how to run it. That one play that people posted where I think it was Caleb Glenn, Tyler Johnson and Sky Clark, all like high right wing in like a tiny little triangle, just like I think Duke played that it was going to be a slip, I think, on the screen. And we were just like, I don't know what to do. They knew the slip was coming. We don't know what to do. So, I mean, I mean, it's just it all comes down to coaching. It's it's what the issue has always been. So because uh, the, the the team doesn't lack talent. I think that's clear. They popped up a graphic on last night's game showing I think we had eight former top 100 players, nine former top 100 players on the roster. Some- Something in that range, yes. Yeah, so I mean, the, the talent is is not the issue. It's it's the lack of being well coached or truly having any idea. Clearly, defensively, and then last night, offensively. I mean, it just looks like we were trying to play pickup ball. Like it'd be like one guy tries to take his man, nope, doesn't work, kick it out. One dude tries to take his man, nope, doesn't work. Ball screen, nope, didn't work. There's six seconds left to throw up a bad shot. Like there's no cohesiveness, no true like idea of how to run offensive plays or how to play team defense. So. uh 
It's it's frustrating, man. It really is because there are talented pieces on this team, and it, it it's it's tough to go through this for twenty four straight months now. There's no assertiveness to me um, of number one trying to take advantage of mismatches. I understand, you know, we pointed out that specific play. Lieberman, Peyton Siva, a few other guys chimed in on, on what was supposed to happen on that play where they're running the – and they've run that play more more often than, than – you know, they ran that play multiple times against Duke. They've run that play in almost every game this season. Uh, but where they run the three-man weave at the top at the top of the key, uh, whoever the four-man is, is, is coming up to, to set a, uh, basically a ball screen. Uh, and then there's supposed to be some movement there. And, uh, you know, I, I get people's point of, you know, well, you're supposed to pass the ball X amount of times. That's kind of the what, what they're trying to get into. They're trying to uh, create mismatches and that sort of stuff. But it, it's a perfect example of the Kenny Payne era where one one little thing goes wrong and everybody on the team just kind of shits their pants. And by by that, I mean, they just kind of stand around. There's poor spacing. Uh, there's there's no leadership. There's no communication. And it's both. It's on both ends ends of the floor. It's it's on both sides, um, and, and that stuff starts bleeding into other areas. I mean, they went ten for nineteen, Jake, from the free throw line. They had two opportunities in the first half to on a, on a technical free throw where they missed two free throws in a row, and then down like six or eight points, getting to the free throw line, an opportunity to kind of uh, inch a little bit closer and missing two straight. It's it's just it starts bleeding into other areas, you know, three for 17 from three, 23 for 56 from the floor. I mean, you got Brandon Huntley Hatfield, who's uh, in my opinion, probably your best all around player four for 10 from the field, uh, three for six from the line. Yeah. He had a double double, but he also played 34 minutes. And you by the end of the game, you're kind of playing against some of Duke's scrubs that are, they're just trying to get the more minutes. Right. And, you know, it's just an indictment on, on the staff as a whole, right? And you know, you're you're coming out of timeouts and the team doesn't know what to do. You 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 come out of one timeout and you give up the most wide open alley hoop dunk of all time. Uh, you come out of the next timeout and have, you know, 20 seconds on the clock coming off of a foul and you can't even get a shot off. Like there's just no play. And it's just it's so damning. It, it's it 100% falls on the coaching staff. Because that is, that's just the, the simplest things. You know, five guys with their back to the ball. Uh, guys, when, when, when the oppo- opposing team is getting into the lane, you know, not even having their hands up. Like, it's just these, these little things uh, that you go back to. It's like, what, what, are, what are they working on? What is the emphasis? And, and I think part of it, I mean, it goes back, all of this traces back to, to when Kenny Payne took over. There hasn't been a care placed towards this team uh, to, to, to try to win right away. Uh, and, you know, people got into, oh, well, you know, there, there's no players left on this team from, from when they, you know, went in and had that dominant victory at Duke uh, on the road Saturday night prime time against a top three team on the road that hardly ever, if at all, loses at home, right? Um, but if you look at what Kenny Payne has done just since he took over, right, the, the number one thing that stands out to me, he did not immediately put together a staff. And the staff that he pieced together, while in theory could have been great, has not worked out. And there's been no change. There's been no uh, effort to change that staff. And then you look at the way that you you constructed the the medical staff. 
You didn't even hire a trainer until January, or excuse me, until June 28th, I believe. Yeah, June 28th. And it's just little things like that where there, there's not a care placed uh, towards the team of, you know, trying to assemble a competent roster. You assembled a roster with like nine wings and zero point guards. I don't care what anybody says. LLS wasn't a point guard. Uh, Kenny Payne took over a roster that had J Dre Davis, JJ Trainer, Jalen Withers, Roosevelt Wheeler, Sam Williamson, Matt Cross. Matt Cross ended up leaving. Dre Davis ended up leaving because of the situation with his brother, Tay Davis. You also had L. Ellis, Mike James, Sidney Curry. Sidney Curry went from being the bright spot of the 2021-22 team to basically, you know, I, there's a, we, we got into this a lot last year. That there's a lot to be said about the Sidney Curry situation, but he, he never he, – he drastically went downhill once Kenny Payne took over. And, and I mean, I, I know you don't have war. I know you don't have McMahon, but like you did on, on, on that team that, that destroyed Duke in 2020. By the same token, though, you had the opportunity to go out and get a Jordan war type of player, and you didn't. Instead, you went out and got Fabio Basili. You know, you're trying to make an upgrade with, with a Devin Reed. You got Hersey Miller on scholarship. You went out midseason and got Manny Akorafor. The roster construction was just as poor as the coaching staff construction. And then when you had an opportunity to make those changes, you didn't do a lot to bring in any big-name players. Yeah, Sky Clark has been a solid addition. The freshman class as a whole have been solid additions. But this team, again, this season, was not built to win. They were built to win maybe in three years. And in modern college basketball, that's not acceptable. Yes, in 1998, Maybe this is a four-year rebuild. Maybe this is a five-year rebuild. And maybe maybe we just have to accept that. But in the age of, of transfer portals, in the age of NIL, of which Louisville does a fantastic job, shout out to the 502 circle, of setting up these coaches to be in a, in a solid position. In an age where things have gotten more favorable um, as a whole for Louisville, when the, the cloud, you know, we, we always talked about this black cloud over the, over the program. Nothing ultimately came of that. That was a black cloud that was over Chris Mack's program, right? Like the 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 threat of maybe an impending, uh, you know, postseason ban, the threat of taking away scholarships. None of that happened. And yet Kenny Payne still left scholarships open both seasons. You brought in a Trenton Flowers who lasted, what, a month with the program before he left? It, it's just been swing and miss after, after swing and miss. And that's an indictment on Kenny Payne and the coaching staff as a whole. They've had every opportunity. And we said going into this season, it, it had to be, it was NCAA tournament or bust. I think that was the attitude going into the season. And there's been nothing to show that they've made significant improvements in any way. Yes, there have been one-offs here and there against Miami, against Duke, last year against Clemson. But overall, as an overarching storyline, I mean, when you have more 20-point losses than you do wins, that says it all right there, Jake. And I just keep going back to that. The it's other thing CBI that... CBI tournament or bust? Yeah, and, and, and CBI is just way too unrealistic for this for this <laughs> squad. And as you talk about, Jake, this team is... is when you If you have a starting lineup, forget about J.J. Trainer being injured. Forget about the all the issues with, with Karan Davis, who's another player I didn't even mention that we brought in and then just didn't even end up playing. 
when you get in when you get into to the meat of this roster, even as it stands now, Caleb Glenn, Brandon Huntley Hatfield, Mike James, Sky Clark, Trey White, and Tyler Johnson. That's your core six of players right there. That is enough to get you to the NCAA tournament, 100%. And I would venture to say there are 100 coaches out there in the country right now that if they took over this program with the roster as it is right now, could get this this team at least in the, in the tournament contention. And we're not talking NCAA tournaments. We're just talking about don't lose by 20. And they can't do that either. And that is that's the extremely frustrating part. Which brings me to to the next kind of piece of of how you move forward, right? And looking forward, you know, I start to look at some of these players and it's like, which of these players can you start to build next season with? Like if you're if you're drafting a roster and you have to keep two or three of these players, who are, who who stands out to you that you have to keep? I know we've talked about Tyler Johnson. I think that's a baked in guy that like whoever comes in and takes over this roster, I think that 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 Tyler Johnson is, is your number one pick if you're drafting players. Uh, are you in, in agreement with that? Yeah, 100%. Tyler Johnson, we talked about it last podcast. He's got all-conference potential, all-American potent, like abilities if he's coached correctly. Even when he's not coached correctly, he still puts up incredible stat lines at times. Um, so Tyler Johnson, for sure. I think Caleb Glenn, freshman from Louisville, even in the midst of a really difficult season, still never gives up, plays hard on our time. I think he's a perfect glue guy, kind of like a Dre Davis or a Dwayne Sutton was in the past for us, especially if you could start hitting that corner three. I think he's a great guy. And then I think you really, really have to keep Brandon Huntley Hatfield. He'll have two more years of eligibility if we keep him, I believe, with the COVID year as well. I mean, I think that's – I mean, he's shown this year that, again, in the midst of a really difficult season, they popped it up on the – on the game last night on the side, like last 10 games from like that, he's averaging like 17 points and like seven rebounds. I mean, with proper coaching that 15 and eight, 15 and 10 could easily be his season average. So I think those are the three guys. If I could only keep three, those would be the three that I'd want to build this roster with. And that's enough talent with bringing in a couple of five, four star freshmen and four or five transfers. That's enough rolled over talent to be an NCAA tournament team in the first year with whoever this new head coach is yeah i mean i i think that say you keep glenn huntley hatfield and tyler johnson which it still drives me nuts that he's not starting because the starts have been so bad without him it doesn't really make sense like why do you need to spark off the bench when you're going to be down 10 every time he comes in it doesn't really make sense so i was paying attention to the game last night tyler johnson comes in at the first whistle under 15 minutes, it was about 1450, something like that. And then he basically, outside of not starting the second half, he basically played every other minute. He finished with 32 minutes. So he didn't play the first, let's say, let's call it five minutes of the first half. Uh, and then the first three minutes of the second half. And then he plays every other minute of the game. And it's like, why at this point are you not starting him? Uh, and, you know, I mean, I, I guess an argument could be made to, to start Sky Clark and Mike James instead. But uh, with the way that Mike James is playing at this point, I'm not sure, you know, why would you not bring – it makes more sense to me to bring either Sky Clark or Mike James off the bench, uh, in, in my opinion. And, and to that point, 
you know, what what is your take on Sky Clark? Like what what does he bring to the table? Is that a guy, you know, he's he stated over and over on social media that he sees himself being on this roster next season. Uh, I mean, are you disappointed, concerned in any way if, if you keep Sky Clark? Like what what's the temperature on that situation? I mean, I think Sky Clark is maybe besides Trey White, the most talented player in this team. I mean, at times it is so clear why he was a high four, low five star recruit. Like the handle is so tight. His ability to create his own shot and like hit pull up jumpers, hit deep threes, like it's there, but he just like cannot piece it all together. Like he does, it's almost like he doesn't have like the mind for it at times. I don't know. Like he makes really bad decisions driving into the lane, whether it's jump passing, whether it's not being able to finish, whether it's just turning the ball over as he drives into the lane. So, I mean, I would be happy to have Sky Clark back again under better coaching. I think he could be a really solid player. My only fear with keeping him and Tyler is that you're going to push away some potentially better transfer portal guards that might be interested in coming in. And they look at the situation. They're like, I don't know if I'm going to get my minutes. I don't know if I'm going to start because they have these two returning guards. So to me, I think it would be a net negative if he did stay, though I'd welcome it. I think I'd rather cut bait and be able to get a fresher face in there that I think is more of a true point guard than someone who I have more confidence in that can lead the team. Yeah, man, I, I'm kind of with you on that. I, Sky Clark's skill set is very evident. Uh, he's not a guy. He's not jumping out of the building. He's not crazy athletic, but he's so polished when it comes to his skill set. And what I mean by that is he, he you can tell this is a guy that's had a lot of run with some really successful players. Uh, you know, when, when you look at at the way that he manages the game, especially in, in important times of the game. And that's probably the thing that I would tip my hat the most to to Sky Clark is when Louisville has put itself in position to be in, in games at the end of the game, he's almost always been really, really solid. You know, when I think about, I, I would say Florida State and Miami, and then uh, the game against Texas, it's probably your three best games so far this season. And Sky Clark had, uh, you know, a really heavy hand in, in all of those games. And down the stretch, he's been extremely clutch. He can take a guy one-on-one and get to the foul line a lot. He's a guy that has come up, you know, hugely. Think about the Syracuse game. You know, he's come up um, in a major way um, in the clutch almost every single time. So I would 100% give him his props on that. He's a guy, again, his skill set is evident. I love his story. I love that he basically quit college basketball for half a season to go help take care of his, his father. Uh, I think that's, you know, that speaks a lot to his character, who he is as a person. Ultimately, you know, if I look at Sky and Tyler and I can only keep one, it's, it's Tyler because his upside is so much higher. His athleticism is ridiculous. His passing is fantastic. Uh, again, even against Duke, uh, he he put some balls some balls on just an absolute perfect line on some wh- whether it be behind the back passes bounce passes cross court passes uh, he gets into the lane and, and dumps it off to the bigs better than anybody on the team and better than anybody has in a long time uh, you know I, I look at Sky Clark it is it's similar to L Ellis last season where it feels like he's just not in in the right position and surrounded with the right guys to be honest with you. 
Um, and I'm not sure if Sky Clark is a guy that you build the team around or not. If you bring him back, like, I don't have any qualms with that. I'm with you with the Caleb Glenn take as well. What I do want to see from Caleb Glenn is him starting to be a little bit more effective in all areas of the game. I get a little concerned. He's he's a solid defender, but he's a young defender, if that makes sense. He, he shows his youth quite a bit, uh, especially, especially on the defensive end, uh, and he's not been great at crashing the boards lately. Two rebounds against Duke. That's not going to cut it. This is a guy that needs to be like a seven, eight, nine rebound a game type of guy. Um, if he's going to continue to get these kind of minutes as you have a, a bit more of a competent roster, hopefully going forward. So I agree with you though, Caleb Glenn, just as, as a whole, um, he has the frame. He has the intangibles. He has the skill set. Um, I'm absolutely with you. But if I could choose two, I think it's Tyler and Brandon Holly Hatfield. I think if there's one player on this team that has shown market improvement uh, over last season or even across this season, it's Brandon. I mean, he's been fantastic uh, in, in, in a lot of stretches. And I think that ultimately playing Brandon at center is nice for some small ball, but he's been the de facto center the entire season. And I think that he would fit a lot better uh, you know he plays well in these these lineups with Manny core for at the center and him at the four um, I think that you know he's a guy that could be a little bit more of a a big man that can stretch the floor uh, and and that's what I really like about his game going forward uh, obviously he's an automatic rebound which I love that he's the only guy on the team that you really trust to grab a board uh, outside of Trey White um, but Trey White's is a little bit different he's not in there um, you know, banging with the bigs, if you will, trying trying to get rebounds. He's getting a lot of those uh, secondary rebounds where guys like Brandon or Caleb are in there, you know, doing the dirty work, and he he's grabbing some of these secondary rebounds. So, yeah, that that's kind of my take. I kind I, I agree with you. I'm not of the thought that bringing in any freshman this season, and, and, and not that it's even really a possibility at this point. I just I just don't think you bring in many freshmen at all, you know, if at all, uh, going in, in the next season. You currently have zero signed in the 2024 class. I'm not sure if that's going to change. Um, you know, we're still waiting on, what is it, TJ Robinson, what it was, mm-hmm. was. Yeah. So we'll see on that front. Um, but, yeah, I'm with you, man. I, I, I think that seven, eight, nine – transfers could ultimately turn this team around right away. You're seeing it across the country where teams are able to do this. Uh, There are certain coaches that kind of stick to their guns, you know, like a Tony Bennett will grab in a Rick Pitino fashion, right? He'll grab like a couple of of transfer pieces. He's a guy that stands out though, that is more of a developmental guy. But I mean, you, you look across the country, every major program that that's, you know, doing really well right now, they're winning because of, of their successes in the transfer portal. Um, yeah, you can bring in some really solid, you know, top level, like top 20 type of freshmen uh, and, and be successful in that way. But uh, college basketball is aging up. And I think that Louisville needs to make the effort to age up next season as well. Yeah, I was looking at the the 2023 transfer portal team rankings. Want to take a guess who's the number one team on the rankings list? 
Oh man. Um, it's one of the best teams in the nation. God, I'm trying to think of you, UConn, I, I'm Kansas, to, Kansas. Thank you. Okay. Which obviously right. getting Hunter Dickinson helped that rank out a lot. I think he was like one of the only five, like guys considered a five-star in the transfer portal. But I mean, like you look at it, like the top 10 is Kansas, West Virginia, which West Virginia is kind of hard because they lost Bob Huggins like two months before the season. Uh, TCU, who's probably going to make the tournament, Villanova, Alabama, St. John's, Arkansas, Texas, Ole Miss, Gonzaga. That's the top 10 in transfer portal rankings. I mean, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, probably seven tournament teams right there out of the 10. So, I mean, it's pretty clear that it's, it's, it's a path you can take for immediate success. And all these teams have five commits, nine commits, five commits, four commits, nine commits, six commits. So like they, they're all like re- total rehaul of their starting lineup and their key players. Yeah. And, and the outliers, as you mentioned, West Virginia lost their head coach. Um, Arkansas, we've talked a couple of times on, on, on this show about the situation at Arkansas where just some, really odd things happen behind the scenes. So that's the way that you win now. You know, I mean, you just, you laid it out there very plainly. You know, you win, you get to the tournament, you can be successful through the transfer portal. Yes, there are growing pains, but if you look at at, at these teams that are getting better as we head towards March, that's all the, all the teams that won in the portal. And I think there's a number of coaches that you can bring in that can do that. But yeah, just going back, just to to reiterate, it's not necessarily a negativity aimed towards Kenny Payne. It's a negativity, uh, you know, as a as a you know appreciation of of what this program could be, and versus what it actually is. Uh, and then there's excuses made over and over. It's like, okay, Kenny, at this point, who who constructed this roster again? I I, I was trying to remember. You know, who, who was the guy that, that put the roster together? Oh, it was Kenny Payne. I'm sorry. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that's ultimately what, what, what we're getting to. And again, it's, it's really two things. It's number one, you know, putting into perspective, what, what should the expectation be? The standard is the standard. You know, the expectation at Louisville is sweet 16s, lead eights, final fours, national championships. That's the expectation. And to be where you are right now, Every time you play a decent team, you just get absolutely destroyed. And even you get shit pumped. And then oftentimes you're getting destroyed by not good teams like Notre Dame, like Arkansas State. So we're just trying to put that into perspective. And we're trying to look at this roster and figure out, okay, what is feasible heading in the next season? And I think the last three games of the season and the one likely one ACC tournament game, it's going to come down to, you know, that that's what we're going to be watching for. We're not watching for wins and losses at this point anymore. We're just trying to figure out how this team moves forward. Speaking of moving forward, we've been getting into, into this a lot. I saw, um, you know, Mark Blankenbaker posts these Twitter polls. Uh, he does it maybe once or twice a week, trying to gauge the, the pulse of the fan base, specifically on social media. And it's standing out to me a lot how much people's views of coaches change from one week or one month to the next. And going back to late December or early January, 
the take from a lot of fans was Chris Beard's the guy. A lot of fans, you know, they don't care about all the off the court stuff. If they want to win, they want Chris Beard to be the guy. All of a sudden, that's changed. Now that Ole Miss has been down since they've gotten into conference play, not able to pull out a lot of wins against SEC-level opponents, and fans are taking notice. They're like, mm, maybe Chris Beard's not the guy. And I think that's such a uh, telltale sign of, of, of why fans should not be making decisions. You know, if you thought that Chris Beard was the guy two months ago, last month, and you don't think he's the guy now, or you think that there's better options than him now, and you thought that he was the clear-cut number one, it, it, it should not have changed from then till now. And I say this, you know, we got in, into this a little bit on our last recording. You know, it, 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 it's so important to take into account the totality of what a coach brings to the season to the table because there are ups and downs in every single college basketball season. And whatever coach comes in here is going to be coaching at Louisville. He's not going to be coaching at Ole Miss or Baylor or Arkansas or Alabama or Creighton or wherever it is that Louisville fans think that Josh Hurd and company should be looking to grab the next head coach. He's going to be coaching at Louisville. And so the important thing is to keep in mind, you know, what, how does he run a program? Does, is, is, has he shown the propensity to be able to grab players from the transfer portal? Is he a top level recruiter? If, if they have the money that Louisville is going to be able to provide through the circle to grab top level players, are they going to be able to go out and execute when they bring those players in? Are they going to be able to integrate those, those players into their system? And then what is their system? What do they run? Are they heavy on a defensive emphasis? Are they a run and gun style? Are they trying to put guys in the pros? Are they trying to, to win now? Like what, what is it that this coach brings to the table? I don't care that Ole Miss lost on a buzzer beater to Texas A&M. That's just an example. I care that Ole Miss is a program that sucked and now they're good, right? Like that, that should be, you know, and why is it that they're good? Is it because they brought in a great crop of transfers? Is it because their coach is a great X's and O's guy? Um, do they have a great defensive identity? What is it that makes this coach stand out? And so I, I kind of throw that into your court as well, Jake. You know, do, does it? Are you a scoreboard watcher? Do you care? Like, ha, what what percentage of, of emphasis do you put on the success of a coach um, in in this season? I think it. It's a case-by-case basis for a guy like Scott Drew, who's been coaching for 20 years, has won a national championship. He could lose every single game for the rest of the year, and he would still be number one on my board. For guys like that, for guys like Chris Beard, Nate Oates, Eric Musselman, who have that proven track record, I don't really care. Like Unless like one of their players commits murder or something like that, or like they get in trouble off court, I don't really care what happens this season. My views on them will stay the same. Now, I think where it does matter is those newer coaches that don't have as much of a proven track record, like a Jerome Tang. He's lost, I think they're three and seven in their last 10. That matters because he's only coached like 60 games up to this point. And you really were trying to see, was last year a fluke or is he going to consistently make have NCAA tournament teams that make deep runs? So I think for guys like that, like a Jerome Tang, maybe to an extent, TJ Otzelberger, 
just because he hasn't been at Iowa State for a super long time. It maybe matters a little bit more, but for those super established guys, Shaka Smart, Mick Cronin, Eric Musselman, Chris Beard, I don't, I don't care at all about this year. It's not gonna, it's not gonna change me at all. Yeah, I mean, you look at uh, when Louisville hired Chris Mack, like he was coming off probably his best season at Xavier. They ultimately lost in the second round of the NCAA tournament as a one seed. Uh, nobody really said anything about that. And the reason is because he's an established coach. He was the obvious number one hire uh, for Louisville. And pretty much any expert that you talk to would say, you know, Chris Mack is, is the guy out there right now that can turn a program back into a, a championship caliber, um, you know, championship caliber program, championship, you know, put championship caliber teams on the floor. Uh, and so ultimately, you know, I'm looking at their at their track record. You know, are, are they winning conference championships or in contention? Uh, you know, what are they doing in the NCAA tournament? Are they building teams that are thinking towards March and April? And ultimately, I think all the guys that we talked about on our, our list, on your magical list, on your spreadsheet, those are all guys that have a proven track record, save maybe a Dusty May um, or a Jerome Tang. Uh, so with all of that in mind, um, we are going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit of TBT, do a little TBT draft. You know, what players are out there uh, that, that Louisville should be considering to build a championship team in the tournament? All that after this break. Looking for a place for some of the best beer and liquor deals in town? Frankfurt Avenue Liquors has you covered. If you're looking for a place to watch the game, to catch some, some of the best live local music, Frankfurt Avenue Liquors also has a full-service bar with some award-winning bartenders, some of the best drinks you'll find in town. Frankfurt Avenue Liquors, as the name says, off of Frankfurt Avenue. Check them out today. Mr. Having a versatile, high-quality piece of clothing feels great, but having a whole closet full of favorites feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. This is for everyone. From a more traditional 90 proof to a cash string that's smoother. In 2013, Russ going to the hole, and boy, could we use that right now. Mr. and Mrs. Bourbon covers tastes, all different tastes of preferences, six different bourbons that they're offering. Be among the first to try Mr. and Mrs. Bourbon, the official bourbon of State of Louisville and the Starting 502 podcast on shelves anywhere you find your liquor, and now online at Mr. and Mrs. Bourbon.com. Go check it out. Before we get into the TBT content, um, I guess what we should probably discuss is if there's anybody else on Jake's magical list. Uh, so we talked about last week, um, you know, the feasibility of a Chris Beard, of a Scott Drew, of an Eric Musselman. But Jake, has anybody else surfaced? Are there any other guys that you're looking at at this point? So it's not a name that I think is going to draw a ton of fan interest nor would i put him like 
top five guy, but I think if he got hired and eventually he will get hired by a great program, I think he'll do great things is Josh Schertz at Indiana state. I mean, dude was D two went to like three straight final fours and then took over Indiana state three years ago. And like Larry bird hasn't been there in a long time. Like they're, they've been really bad. Like one of the worst teams in college basketball for a long time. And he's taken them from being like the laughing stock of the NBC to now 25 and five ranked in the top 25, which is insane for Indiana state. So, I mean, if you can just make it a point to watch one Indiana state game and just watch it and just see, I mean, it's, it's such a modern style of basketball. Like it almost kind of looks like he's got five European players out there. Like the way they space the floor, the way they move the ball on offense, it is so thoroughly enjoyable to watch. So like if you get a chance, just watch an Indiana State game and they'll they'll be on your TV. They'll be in the NBC Conference Championship. They'll make the tournament. So you'll get a chance to watch them. I don't think he'll end up taking the job because I think there are probably seven, eight, nine, ten more guys that'll get the call before he got the call. But in a season, maybe two, he's going to be the next Dusty May, especially if this Indiana State team makes a deep run in the tournament. He may be this year's Dusty May. So that's another guy I just wanted to highlight. I don't think it'll happen, but he's going to end up being a great coach. In Indiana State, if you haven't watched as well, I agree with you. Hertz is a, a guy that um, probably will not end up being on the short list for Josh Hurd, which I like the Josh Hurd, Josh Hertz aspect of that as well. Um, but they do have a guy, Robbie Avila, I think that's how you say his name, mm-hmm. the goggles guy. There's <laughs> just – there is – a guy on Indiana State. If you haven't watched, it, he is like a like a Walmart brand version of um, Jokic for the Nuggets. He is doesn't he doesn't inspire confidence off the bus. If that makes sense, he's wearing goggles. Last guy you walking off the bus. <laughs> he's wearing goggles. He's just a big, kind of awkward looking dude with kind of an awkward looking shot. The man is it pure. Uh, dude can knock down some shots. He can get to the basket. And he's he's giving out dimes, bro. Like, he is a problem for Indiana State. So, if you're watching, you will not be uh, confused about who this guy is if he's on the floor. And you're right. He looks like a European guy who drinks two gallons of, of Diet Coke every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and has which, a horse farm that he can't wait to go back to in the offseason. Yes. He looks like he's really into chariot racing. Um, so no, but, but Josh Hertz, to your point has, he was extremely successful at the D2 level, finally got a D1 job. And since he's taken over, um, has done incredible things at Indiana state. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a name to look out for. And that's a guy, if he was hired, like the basketball nerd in me would be super excited because I know that, um, he's going to be like, uh, um, Oh, what was the what was the guy's name that we brought in under Chris Mack for the last season? Bop, bop, bop. Oh, What's the guy's yeah, I name? don't know his name. I remember. Yeah, he was supposed to be. He's supposed to bring in a revolutionized offense that He's, he was going to turn us into the New Zealand national basketball team, mm-hmm. and it never really, um, you know, paid dividends or came to fruition. Why can't I remember that guy's name? I'm sure people are shouting at us right now. Like, come on, it's Australian assistant coach is all I can ever remember him for. It's it's blah blah. Come on, he had the. Uh, he had the lights on the wall. They were doing the light drill where they uh, dribble the ball and tap the lights, which 
I know Peyton Siva is very into now as well um, at, at his basketball academy. Uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of what what he brings to the table is this kind of revolutionary um, style basketball. Um, and yeah, the basketball nerd in me would be very excited and it would be a complete change uh, from what Louisville is putting on the court now, which is basically, uh, you know, zero emphasis on defense and trying to just isolate players on offense. And it just has not worked. Simply, yeah, I mean, I will say he'd probably struggle to turn it around in year one because obviously he doesn't have that pedigree in the transfer portal, in the recruiting uh, atmosphere. Stop licking me. Sorry, my cat won't stop licking me. (laughs) Um, But I mean, he in in two seasons, I'd be so confident that he would turn this thing around. And Robbie Avila, 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 whatever it is, only a sophomore. So we could technically just grab him and he'd be my favorite player, favorite level player of all oh time. My God. So not, not a guy that I think will end up being the head coach at Louisville, but just, just a name to keep, to keep, to keep in mind. Yeah. And one other guy that's standing, that's standing out to me just a little bit, Amir Abdul Rahim. I want to make sure I get it right. I don't, I don't want to be like Trump. That's like Abdul Rahim. <laughs> He's dead. He died like a dog. I don't want to, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, if you haven't been paying attention to what AAR is doing uh, at South Florida, he came over from Kennesaw State, which if you're not aware, Kennesaw State uh, transitioned from D2 to D1 back in 06, 07, something like that. Uh, and they've basically been uh, a bottom dweller in college basketball. Like if you look at Ken Palm, like 300s every season type of team, he came in and took over for just an absolute crap situation. First couple of years were a little rocky, and then he turned them into, um, a, a, I believe they won. I'm trying to think. Are they in the Southern Conference? Um, I believe what, they are, yeah. Is that the conference that Bellarmine's in? I do not know. Is that the SoCon? Is that the same thing? That's not the same I, thing as the SoCon, is it? Is, it uh, I think so. I think that's the SoCon. I believe they're in the same conference as Bellarmine um, and the Nashville teams, but I can't think of what it's called. Um, I'm really bad at these small conference names. Regardless. Uh, he took over there and turned uh, a, a D2 team that was kind of set up to just be whatever for the first like 20 years of their existence into an NCAA tournament team. And last year, if you remember, almost sprung a major upset in the NCAA tournament. So a name to keep keep an eye out for, um, you know, could get, really get him on the cheap. I believe he makes $2 million, million a year. And he has like a $500,000. No, wait. I apologize. He makes like a million dollars a year and he has a $2 million buyout. I'm just trying to remember everybody's buyouts and their, their, um, you know, their resume off the top of the dome. Um, I will say, I do believe I saw on Twitter that USF is already working on getting him an extension to lock him up for a while. So as they should, as they should, I don't, Uh, USF hasn't lost a game in like two months, I think 14 game winning streak right now. Uh, and they've defeated two ranked opponents as well in that time. Um, so he's doing a fantastic job, AAR. That's what we would call him, by the way, if he came here, AAR. Yeah. Um, and it also, he's a minority coaching hire. So there is still a faction of the fan base. You know, I've already seen it. It's only going to get louder. There has been a faction of the fan base has been like, you wouldn't be saying this stuff about about Kenny Payne if he was a white guy, which is just not true. I mean, do you remember the vitriol when Chris Mack was here? I mean, it, it, it's <laughs> – do you remember the vitriol for Bobby Petrino, a guy who took us to our first 
you know, big time bowl game who brought us to great success. As soon as he started losing, everybody's like, Bobby Petrino is scum of the earth. Like, because when you start losing, as we talked about, the easiest way to connect with people is putting others down. Um, and, and yeah, they would be putting Kenny Payne down just as much if he, if he was a white guy. I hate the burst people's bubbles, but it does satisfy the the minority coaching hire. There are a couple you know guys out there as well that would fit that mold. Not that that's what we should be looking for, but again, I do not undervalue and I don't want to underestimate the importance of someone having a shared experience um, with a lot of players, you know, and, you know, you got to consider the history of college basketball, the history of Louisville basketball as a whole. Uh, and I do think that that's important, uh, but it's not. It's oh, not you know, also, I think I just remembered it was Lamont Paris. Who's about who they're talking about an extension, not Amir Abdul Rahim. I Racist. believe it was Lamont Paris. I know, I'm totally my good. fault, my fault, my fault. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, that's another name that people have talked about. Uh, there's a lot of these SEC schools that are making awesome hires uh, in case, you know, you haven't been paying attention. There's a coach down at Mississippi state um, who UK played the other night, who is putting an awesome product on the floor as well. And I believe his first year, first or second year. Um, And Mississippi state's a fun team to watch. Uh, I I don't know why I can't think of his name off the top of my head. I'm sorry. There are so many coaches around the country that we've talked about at this point. Um, But Mississippi state's coach, has a great style of play that would probably assimilate really well in Louisville if he brought um, that kind of playing style over um, because they are very defensive minded. Uh, and I, I think that fans more than we were even willing to admit, miss that kind of grinded out uh, true, like biggie style college basketball uh, that we were hoping to get with Chris Mack. Didn't get as much. Uh, but that could be really successful here. Um, any other small names? I mean, we're just throwing out names at this point. We're just seeing what sticks, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, any coaching hire at this point, almost any coaching hire from the SEC would, would be really solid. It seems like the SEC and Big 12, uh, they're starting to really become the two top dogs, not only in, fo- in football, but in basketball as well. Um, and it's, it's, Interesting to watch uh, some of these success stories where the SEC is no longer just Kentucky and Tennessee. There's a lot of really, really quality squads out there. Um, any other thoughts before we move on to a little TBT talk? I think that's it. We got a list. We could go on forever and ever and ever, and we'll continue to talk about it every single week. So we got plenty of time to add more names to this list. We'll keep talking about it, man. The The, the main thing I think to focus on it's just that overall body of work. You know, there's a lot of these guys who are the opposite of Kenny Payne, right? Where they paid their dues. And not that Kenny Payne didn't pay his dues as an assistant coach at Kentucky or with the Knicks, but they have really grinded it out at these lower level, lower name programs. Uh, and you could bring in any number of these guys and they could be really successful at Louisville. Ultimately, it's about finding the best fit. I'm not going to be in that room. You're not going to be in that room when, when these interviews are being conducted. Uh, it's going to be Josh Hurd, the Louisville administration, old Shugiyama, um, and and the the uh, the purse string holders, if you will. So these conversations will continue, but we have some important things to talk about. Um, mainly TBT basketball tournament. Talked about this last week. Uh, still kind of 
where things stood um, when they came out with the initial announcements that Montrez Harrell and Peyton Seaver are the first two players on this Louisville team. We know that um, we're not going to be having the same head coach coming into this season, but uh, there's some names that have been thrown around. We're thinking we don't have any inside info, although Russ, if you want to call me up and, and uh, make an official announcement that you're going to be joining TBT uh, on starting five with two podcast, the official podcast of Mr. And Mrs. Bourbon, um, you're more than welcome to come on and we can talk about the old days and how you wish that somebody would tell you that you're in the good old days uh, before they're over. Uh, but I'm thinking Russ Smith is probably going to be a name uh, for fans to watch out for. Uh, but what we wanted to do was kind of construct maybe like a 10-man roster for the TBT. What would that look like uh, for, for global basketball? Um, so let's just assume we have Montres here, we have Peyton Siva, and let's assume it's a 10-man roster. And what would that look like? So what we should do here, Jake, I think, is take turns making a pick. And I think we should have a couple of house picks. I think that together, as a team, uh, you and I are pretty confident that we'll see little Russ Smith and Nick Mayo um, mm-hmm. on, on on this Louisville TBT team. I want to go. I want to go ahead and say I'm 95% confident that Russ Smith will be on the squad. Again, this he's a businessman now. Uh, he's playing over for a small team in Italy, trying to get the Bourbon game going over in Italy. Uh, while also being an extremely successful uh, professional basketball basketball player over there. But I think the timing is still right for him. I think it makes sense for him to come back and try to right the wrongs of last season. Um, I mean, if you remember, Louisville had that third-round game in their grasp and just could not make a shot to end that game, which is what makes the Elam ending great. And we'll talk with our friend Andrew Zoldan about that a little bit later on. But let's just say that, as a team, we're collectively saying Russ Smith will join the squad. Are you cool with that? Yep. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, and then let's say Nick Mayo is going to join again. I've heard, you know, I listen to Leibs as much as anybody. Um, we're going to try to get Leibs on the podcast if we can. I, I could talk to Mark Lieberman probably for days because this is a man that's after my own heart. He is just obsessed with basketball. He knows a lot more about basketball and the inner workings of things than I do. Um, because he has been an assistant coach over under some really prominent names. And it sounds like he's going to be getting the ball rolling and getting back out there as an assistant coach as well um, in the very near future. So that's exciting for him. Um, but I listen to Lieberman on the radio as much as possible. He's super into movies. He's super into pop culture, which I love that about, about a basketball coach. I love seeing uh, and hearing what these guys are into outside of basketball but he's a great basketball mind. He has a great inside information on what the team could look like. We're hearing a lot about Russ Smith. We're hearing a lot about Nick Mayo. So let's assume I, I'm going to put a 70% confidence, confidence level on it that Nick Mayo is on this squad. So if we're saying that we have a preliminary squad of Montrez Harrell, Peyton Siva, Russ Smith, and Nick Mayo, who are the other six guys? Let's say six. Okay, and three the reason picks I say that's fair. The, the reason I say that, right, gives us three picks each. Uh, and once you get to that 10 number, like ultimately you got to consider all these guys are splitting a million dollars. They try to do it evenly, but there's other people that have their hands in that pot as well. There's going to be a coach probably. There's going to be an administrative staff. There's going to be other guys that have their hands in the pot. And so you don't want to spread that too thin. You don't want to go with 13, 14 players and have a bunch of guys on this roster that are just going to be you know, p- playing two minutes a game or something like that. 
Like ultimately you're constructing a roster to try to try to win this damn thing. Right. Uh, try to put the most exciting product on the floor. Uh, and I think that's what they're going to do this year. Um, so we're going, we have a forward slash center in Trez. We have a point guard in Peyton Siva. We have a point guard slash guard in Russ Smith. And then I guess a forward slash guard in Nick Mayo. Uh, as you talked about, Nick Mayo was probably our favorite player on last year's team. I think a lot of people, we, we can go ahead and call him an honorary Cardinal. I think at this point, uh, Nick Mayo. So another guy that I'd love, Nick, if you're listening, come on the pod, bro. Let's talk it up. Let's chat it up. But I'll let you go first. So my thought is we probably got to add two more forwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, we probably got to add maybe two to three more guards and probably another center. So with all of that in mind, I'll let you have the first pick. With the first pick in the 2024 very fake TBT draft, who's Jay Cook taking? How much time do I have on the clock? You have 30 seconds on the clock, and I can sing whatever song you want until mm-hmm. then. I already got it. I'm going to go with – I don't know if it fit. We got Trez. I think if you go Peyton at the one, Russ at the two, Nick Mayo at the three, Trez at the four, I'll take Shinano and Walker at the five. He still Shinanu. had it last year. Shinano still had it, and he was electric last year. Like, we, we really haven't talked about Nanu at all, but he was really solid. Like, that's a guy that – he you saw a market improvement from Shinano from his first day on campus to when he left, right? And – He's a guy that's just continued to improve as a pro. Um, you know, we're and we're not going to talk about his underhanded free throw uh, sabotaging last year. What we're going to talk about is how Nani was an important member of last year's squad. I love that you're putting Onowaku on the board first, and that gives us really that gives us a complete starting lineup right there. Like I'm comfortable with that starting lineup. I don't know about you. Um, any other reason why you would pick Onowaku first? I mean, I think there were a lot of a lot of names you can go to, and I'm sure we'll talk about them here later. I just think he was the, it. It needed to either be a five or a, or a wing, and of the wings available and the fives available, I think he was he was the best pick. I mean, we saw it last year. Some of these guys we haven't seen play in a while, or some of them are getting to the point where they're 35 plus and they're starting to deteriorate. And I think he's perfect. We know that he fits with this team. We know that he's still got it, and so I, that's why I picked him. I don't need any time. Um, we can go ahead and get the commissioner back out there to next our, n- announce our next pick because I'm going with one of the more underrated guys in the last, I'm going to say, two decades in Louisville basketball, and that's Earl Clark. This is a guy who was sensational at Louisville. Um, we would revere so much change after that 2009 loss to Michigan State in the Elite Eight. I think if Louisville pulls that game out, I think that we revere uh, so many more of these guys uh, completely. We, we, we look at them completely differently. Uh, just the, these final four squads and these championship teams, we just hold them to a different level on a higher pedestal because they were able to get over that hump. Ultimately, Earl Clark was not able to do that but he was such a talented player and let's not forget Earl sanity in the, in the, the, uh, in the NBA. I would like to see the Earl sanity. Where's my Earl sanity documentary. All right. We had the Lynn sanity documentary. I understand the cultural relevance of a, of uh, an, an Asian guy balling all over everybody for the Knicks for like two months. When are we getting our Earl sanity documentary, man? 
Earl Sanity was electric. It was taking over Twitter for like two months when he was balling out for the Lakers. If you remember those Lakers teams, man, those are some fun teams. Like Earl was like out there with Kobe, just balling out. Um, and Earl still has it. He's a guy we talked about last week that we really wanted him to be a part of that team because of his contractual oblig- obligations with the big three. Just couldn't make it happen. And ultimately, you know, if you listen to Lieberman, if you listen to Peyton and some of these guys who are really involved in the construction of that roster, you know, like Luke Hancock, ultimately, Earl, you know, there, there were so many guys where they just had to just try to move things around, make it work. Uh, I mean, there's a lot that goes behind this that you don't think about. It's not like they're just showing up, doing a couple little stretches and getting out there on the floor. They're trying to construct a championship roster here, man. And Earl would have been a guy that could have been huge for last year's team. And, you know, when you're constructing this roster, if you look at it, you know, right now we have Montrez Harrell, Peyton Seaver, Russ Smith, Nick Mayo, Shinano Anawaku, and the second pick of the draft goes to Earl Clark. You put that roster on, on the floor. Nobody is matching that roster, Jake. What do you think? Oh, yeah, I love it. I mean, he's that perfect balance of a wing and big. I haven't seen him play. I know he plays in that big three. Uh, it's not a lot of up and down. Obviously, it's half court. So I don't know exactly 100% where he's at stamina wise or where he's at in his abilities. He still can score the ball, which is huge. But uh, I think my only questions, it wouldn't be on the offensive end. It'd be probably more on the defensive end and how yeah. many minutes he can give us because he is one of those guys that's pushing up in age and getting to the point where it's going to where it's going to fall off quickly. But I, I love it. I mean, just for the just for the memories, I think I think you have to add them. Let's hear your third pick. What do you, All right, what do you, a guy that we saw in the TBT tournament last year, but not for Louisville. Uh, for the Jackson, Tennessee TBT team, I'm going with Chris Jones. Chris, We Jones. saw it last year. Dude's been in the tournament, I think, plenty of years. That I don't think last year was his first year. Looking up his stats last this season for Valencia in the Spain League. In the EuroLeague, he put up 13 points, shot 46% from three, Five or four rebounds, five assists. I mean, dude still has it. As much as I love Peyton and Russ, they are again getting up there in age. And I don't know if you can rely on them to play 30 plus minutes a game. So having that third guard like Chris Jones, who still has a little bit more left in him, a little bit more gas left in the tank, I think he's perfect. A backcourt trio of Chris Jones, Russ Smith, and Peyton Siba might be unbeatable. I love it. I love it. Uh, Chris Jones, again, another guy that you win that elite elite a game against Michigan state. Again, he's revered much differently than he is now. Um, I love that pick. I love Chris Jones being a part of this roster. I think he made the great, a great move there as the very unofficial, very fake GM of this local TBT roster. Um, I have my fourth pick in already. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Preston Knowles. Okay. How about that? You're getting, uh, so got, you're getting geriatric on this squad, Preston. We're we're getting pretty old. We're getting old, but I like it. Number one, because everybody already thinks my name's Preston as well. So we have that in common. I'm sure everybody calls him Presley Knowles. Um, but in all seriousness, this is a guy that's been a part of this tournament before. He has a lot of experience as a pro. And my God, this dude was a baller um, at, at the college level. I think we forget just how solid Preston Knowles was for a couple of years for Louisville. And he's done the same thing as a pro. I think that he fits in great on this roster. 
yeah, we're getting a little geriatric, but ultimately that that's the point of TBT, right? Like there's not a bunch of young guys running around that are available to play. Like, Basically, you finish college basketball and you either go become a pro for five, six, seven years, uh, 10 years, 15 years, whatever it is. Or you're an accountant like <laughs> that's the best part about college basketball, right? Like, you know, Tim Henderson was, you know, hitting dagger shots in the final four. And then, you know, what, four months later, I walked into Republic Bank and he was my teller. Like mm-hmm. it's, you know, that's the beauty of college basketball. Like that dude's never going to buy a drink in this town ever again. And he's, you know, working for, you know, uh, golden sacks or something like that, you know? So, uh, but yeah, Preston Knowles is my fourth pick. Are you ready for pick number five? Oh yeah. Locked and loaded, ready to go. Let's go, baby. All right. Um, as much as you're trying to keep our team in the 55 and over division of the TPT tournament, I'm going to age us down a little bit. Do it. I'm going to go with Dang Adele. Oh, and that's not a name we've talked about at all. But I mean, I think when we've talked about it, we've done a lot of guards. We've done a lot of bigs, but we don't really have any wings. So I think Dang Adele would be perfect there. He's still playing, still playing. I think in France is who he's playing for. Mm-hmm. Um, hold on. Yeah. OK, so he plays for. Oh, it's called it's called Balzac. B-O-U-L. A Z A C Balazak Balazak This this is the starting five two podcast. He plays for Balzac. Okay, yeah, he plays for Balzac. Um, but I mean, I'm looking right now. He's still playing 25 minutes a game, eight points per game, only 31 percent uh, three point shooter. But I mean, I think he'd be a perfect nine ten man and really give you that wing option that who we have slated right now. We don't really have a ton of. We've got a lot of bigs, got a lot of guards, but we need more wing depth. And so I, I think Dang Adele would be a really solid addition. Dude, I'm 100% on board with that. And that puts me at the final pick. And this is a tough one, right? Because if you go down and you assess last year's roster, compare it to this year's very, very real slash super fake and unrealistic roster. So we're looking at last year's roster, and there's some guys that haven't made the list yet. Luke Hancock, Shane Bahannon, Kyle Keurig, Omar Pruitt, Rakeem Buckles. Wayne Blackshear. Oh, and Dylan Avar, if you want to throw him in there. But again, oh, and we're Chris keeping Dow. this. And Chris Dow. We haven't even mentioned Chris Dow. And so I'm thinking, what do we need on this very not real 10-man roster? Right now we have Montrez Harold, Peyton Siva, Russ Smith, Nick Mayo, Shanana Wanawaku, Earl Clark, Chris Jones, Preston Knowles, and Dang Adele. What are you missing on that roster, Jake? If you say Charlie Tyra and bring our average age down to 99, I'm not going to be surprised. No, no, you not at all. And I'm going to age us down a little bit. What you're missing, what you're missing is just a pure shooter, a guy that, you know, if that ball's going up, it's probably going in. I think, you know, who I'm going to say it's Ryan Payne. Oh, Zan Payne. Oh, no. Zen Payne. Now (laughs) is what we're calling him. Um, No, Ryan McMahon. And, I don't know if this is a guy they approached last year and he was just like, I can't do it. Like I know Ryan's married now. I know he's like out in the corporate world, but look, if you're a shooter, you're a shooter, right? Like if, if I'm recruiting a, a four man scramble team and it's me and three other guys, I know what my weaknesses are, right? Like I know that maybe I need to got, get a guy on my team that four times in that round, he's going to hit a 320 yard bomb. We're all going to go crazy drink some beer and drive to our ball 
and be very excited, right? And Ryan McMahon is the guy that can just hit a few bombs for you, and it changes the whole dynamic of your team. Uh, and so the reason that I say this is because if you remember, um, right after that COVID season, we're having the 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 wobble. Um, I don't know what they called it, the whatever the TVT bubble was. Um, he, it was appointment television to watch Ryan McMahon with that Dayton Flyers team. Every Dayton fan, like people that were watching the TVT, were like, "Okay, well, we'll put this McMahon guy on our team." Don't really think he's going to fit. And what does the dude come out and do? He just comes out and lights it up. Like their team was progressing in that tournament. And it wasn't on the back necessarily of Ryan McMahon, but he played a serious factor on that team. And I think that Ryan McMahon is a guy, you tell him right now he's on that roster. He's in the gym every single day after, of course, he comes home, um, you know, from his wife and kids. And I don't know if he's got kids, but. Uh, he's probably got a knowing knowing McMahon and and his uh, his Instagram presence. He's probably got some kind of like uh, you know golden doodle or something at home. Um, you know he's 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 an a, you know an old in the real world family man now. But don't tell me that man doesn't have a basketball goal in his driveway and can't go out there and and you know hit a hundred twenty five footers in a row. Like he has always been nails. He was always the guy that was counted out and ultimately turned into a really, really solid player uh, under Chris Mack. Uh, Ryan McMahon is, is, is my final pick, and I'm definitely aging the team down with that pick because he was on that, what, 2020 roster, right? Yeah. Um, so he hasn't been – he's not that far removed from college basketball. He's still young enough. He's still limber enough, right? I'm 30. I know what my knees feel like. His knees are not quite there yet. Um, and so – in order to age this team down, in order to give us something that we don't have that much of, which is shooting, uh, yeah, you have you have Siva, you have Russ, you have Nick Mayo, um, and then I guess Chris Knowles and Chris Knowles, Chris Jones and Preston Knowles are all shooters, but they're not the shooter. You know, say this team gets down eight points and they just need a run. Who are you putting in? You're putting in the gun, right? You're putting in Ryan, Ryan McMahon. He's going to get out there. He's going to hit some threes. He's going to do the bow and arrow. He's going to have his swag on. Um, And, I mean, can you imagine Freedom Hall if Louisville is down by three points and they need a three and they put in Ryan, the gun, McMahon, and he hits a 30-footer? I mean, that place would would crumble. Uh, And that's why I'm putting Ryan McMahon, right? We're having fun here. Um, That's that's the final pick. If you had an 11th pick, who are you going with? Hmm. So I was going to say we still aren't certain about G League guys. I would assume yeah, so, they're still – go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I, I, so I talked to Jacob, and he said he's pretty confident that G League guys can play in this. Okay, well, that opens that opens it up a lot. I okay. mean, a dude who has just been a walking bucket, putting up like 25-plus a game in the G League is Carly Jones. I think I mean he's he's still every year seems like he's on the precipice of getting called up, getting a 10-day here every once in a while. So I don't know if he would be to the point where he'd want to join the TBT. It may still be a few years. But man, if you could add someone like that, I mean, that's a dude who's in who's in his prime, can play 30 minutes, can shoot, can facilitate, can score at the rim. I mean, he he would be probably the best player on the team, if I had to guess. Yeah, I mean if he you- got added to this roster. 
I think you're right. I mean, if you put a, a roster on the floor, or if you put a, a, you know, three guys on the floor at guard, Peyton, Siva, Russ Smith, and Carly Jones, I mean, who's stopping that? The answer is nobody, Jake. Not uh, the that, UK TBT team. I know that. Yeah, I I wouldn't think so. I really wouldn't think so. Um, I don't know who UK is going to put out there, and I I do think it might sound silly. I know you got to get through three other teams of pros. But, I mean, just imagine the hype going into that UK UofL TBT matchup. That would be what's equivalent to, like, an Elite Eight, right? I think I that would be so. the final yeah, yeah. game. That or, yeah, that or Sweet 16. Yeah, so that would probably be the final game before you're going into that TBT Final Four. And once you get to the Final Four teams, like, that's that's probably four teams of guys that are just legit. Like, four, you know, four teams of guys that are just absolute ballers. I love how they officiate the TBT. Um, and I, I think that they'll try to assemble this roster that where it fits to acclimate the TBT officiating and style of play a little bit better this year. Uh, I think that Montres Harrell is the perfect addition for that because he's so aggressive because he he's such a just bully underneath. <sighs> yeah, I, I, I really like that Carly Jones addition. If he's eligible, if they can work it out with him, that would make so much sense. Um, and, and and it's no offense to guys like an Omar Pruitt, a Chris Dow, something like that. Like I think that Louisville would love to have a guy like that, the guys like that back because they have that experience now. But I mean, Carly, dude is he's been playing in the league and playing well. Um, so would be interesting to see. I mean, but look, if we field this roster, so here here's what we got. Here's what we're looking at: your guards. You have Peyton and Russ. You have Chris Jones and Preston Knowles. Uh, you could throw in a Carly Jones or a Dangadell in there. Uh, then you're looking at your forwards. You have Montrez Harrell. You have Earl Clark, Dangadell. Uh, and then you're looking at your bigs, Shinano Anawaku. And then I guess Montrez Harrell would serve as your other big man. Uh, or Earl Clark. Earl Clark could absolutely play the five and some TBT yeah. ball. Or Nick Mayo, too. He can play or three Nick Mayo. Five. Yeah. So I, I really like that. You don't see a lot of teams being super successful with just like a post-up big man, just because the way that, again, the way that the games are structured. I'd be interested, uh, again, Andrew Zolden is, is the guy that runs the TBT podcast. He knows all of these teams inside and out. I'd be really interested in, interested in hearing his opinion on like, okay, do, do you go – big forward like do you try to get Chinano Anuaku um um who's the guy that we, that we said last week um why am I blanking uh Mango, Mango? Mathiang yeah um or maybe like a, a Dang Adele or not Dang Adele Honest Mahmood something like that like you get three of those guys and just bully people or are you trying to go more guard forward like a lot of these teams do um so that's what I'm I'm looking for going forward any other thoughts on the TBT team while, while we're on the subject? I think last thing would just be if those G League guys are eligible, I mean, that kind of opens up a whole entire new crop of guys like a Jordan Nwora or a Ray Spalding or players like that or David Johnson. So, I mean, that, that, that opens up another three guys that if they were able to play and wanted to play, would probably be the three best players in the team because they're dudes that are right on the fringe of making the NBA and you know are in incredible shape. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, th those are guys that are, are at the peak of their career. 
I do wonder if the way that it's structured, though, you know, like, for instance, a David Johnson, a guy who's doing really well in the TBT, but wouldn't necessarily have, you know, would he have the the, the, the skill set to, you know, play through fouls that aren't called? Like, that's the stuff that, that, that I'm trying to try to figure out in my mind. Like, what, how, do, how does that work? And how do you, you know, differentiate between, like, a Chris Jones and uh, a Jordan Wara or a David Johnson. Uh, and so ultimately it's going to be all about eligibility for those guys, right? Like do those guys have three, two to three weeks on their schedule where they can just post up in a hotel, focus on a completely different team and just try to go out and win this thing. I really don't know um, the logistics behind that, but as we go forward, I think we'll start to see some of these players come out and this roster be assembled to cater towards that style of play. I think that's so important. Um, that's going to about wrap it up for us, Jake. Uh, any other thoughts, anything else on the horizon that we're looking out for, Louisville basketball-related at all, or just life-related? I think we're good. I, I got till June to close out on my house, so uh, I'll be focusing on that over the next few months and uh, excited for the offseason, excited for a new coach, most likely, excited for a lot of new players, regardless of what happens, and to uh, kind of have dreams and hopes again. So just just excited in general. Just, yeah, we're just excited for anything positive. Mm-hmm. We're trying, if people haven't noticed, we're trying to make this more positive. We're trying to make it more fun as we go forward. Um, as you go forward with your week, make sure that you're focused on getting out there and supporting our sponsors, Mr. and Mrs. Bourbon. As you hear on all the commercials, we're going to cram it down your throat because we believe in this product, uh, but also support some of our local guys. Kern's Corner. Again, if you've not been to Kern's Corner, you're missing out on one of the hidden gems in the city. If you know, you know, Kern's Corner. Um, and then Frankfurt Avenue Liquors. Again, if you're going out to pick up your Mr. and Mrs., if you really want to support this podcast, go to Frankfurt Avenue Liquors, have a drink, take advantage of, of one of their, you know, if they're having an old-fashioned day, a margarita day. Go, you know, take your take your girlfriend or, or boyfriend or husband or wife or not your kids, I guess, but out to Frankfurt Avenue Liquors. If you're going on a, on a date night uh, and, and, you know, you're waiting for your table, stop by and buy Frankfurt Avenue Liquors. And while you're there, pick up some Mr. and Mrs. Bourbon. They got plenty in stock. Uh, folks, that's all we got until next time. Make sure you follow, and, and, and I never say this enough, make sure you subscribe and make sure you rate us. I mean, I see all you guys listening and nobody's rating us. If you want to give us one star, give us one star. Well, let us know you're listening. Uh, we want to hear your opinions. We want to hear your input. This is a show by the people for the people. Uh, until next time, the Starting 502 Podcast. Let's get out of here and go Cards. Go Cards.